0: Welcome to the fourth annual Locked On Podcast Network NBA Mock Draft. Bigger and better than ever. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Day four of the Locked On Podcast Network NBA mock draft. There's some big names. The New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Denver Nuggets, the Utah Jazz, and the Milwaukee Bucks. These are actually picks as crazy as it is in this flat draft that actually could impact basketball games next year. And this gets really interesting because we don't have a summer league. So how does that impact things? We'll find out some more. Here's what we've got for you. I'm David Locke on our main desk. we got Brad Rowland, who writes for Dime Magazine and hosts Locked on Hawks. Brandon Clean, who writes for Fanside and hosts Locked on Suns. Josh Lloyd, who writes for Red Rocket and hosts Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Chad Ford's NBA big board is waiting... To stand by to give us analysis of picks. If any trades go down, John Hollinger will join us. And Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated breaks down every pick after it is made. So, huge show for you. If you've missed any of our first three days, they're on the Lockdown NBA feed. You can follow it on Spotify. You can subscribe on iTunes. Joined now by Brad Rowland, by Brendan Clean, by Josh Lloyd. Before we get to the top six players you have on the board, if you were a GM at this point, no summer league in this draft, your players are going to be going to camp in less than 30 days. Does this change, particularly if you're one of these good teams, the type of player you would draft in this draft, Brad? It probably it
1: wouldn't change it. I guess if it was a tiebreaker, you might lean in one direction of a guy who's more NBA ready. This is a, such a bizarre situation where everyone has been on the sidelines for this entire time. I know teams were playing, but in terms of the college guys and the international prospects, most of these guys have not played basketball competitively in a very long time. So yeah, I guess you will maybe lean towards the more experienced players, but all told, you know, making decisions on that might be a little bit too aggressive for me. Maybe maybe it's a tiebreaker, but everybody's in the same position now, I think. Who would that, Brandon, who would
0: that player be? The old proverbial, most NBA ready.
2: Yeah, I think to me, you're looking at, you know, Desmond Bain, a guy who's at least gets the veteran uh, nod, you know, a player who was at TCU for four seasons, and uh, you know, I would say I would throw in there as well Xavier Tillman, a guy who I think came up in a previous episode as a as a, a, a sure thing, a guy who we could see playing in this league for a while. I think that was from Brad. That's another player with with college experience at that Michigan State program that tends to produce guys that are ready to get on the floor. So. Uh, those are two I'd be looking at for sure if you're if you're trying to keep things safe and, and guys that you can trust to just get into camp and catch on.
0: Heavy trade rumors are floating right now. That there might be a deal in the works, but before we get to that, let's find out who the top six player. oh, wait a sec. The trade is official. The Nets have traded the 19th pick to the New York Knicks for 26, 27, and 30. That's right. The Nets have traded number 19 to the Knicks for 26 – 27 and 38, excuse me, officially 38. So the Nets making a trade. We'll get John Hollinger on the line in a second. But guys, first, let's get your top six players that are on the board as we move into day four of our mock draft. Josh Lloyd, lead us off.
3: Uh, Tyrese Maxey, to me, is the clear number one left on the board, followed by Cole Anthony. I've got uh, Xavier Tillman, Jalen Smith, Grant Rilla, and Malachi Flint.
1: Brad Rowland, top six. Tyrese Maxey, uh, we're almost there, I hope, with Tyrese Maxey, uh, followed by Cole Anthony, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, Malachi Flynn, and Trey Jones.
2: And, Brendan, who you got? I'm going with uh, Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Bain, Cole Anthony, Xavier Tillman, Jalen Smith, and I'll throw Nico Mannion in there, a guy we haven't talked about yet. Oh,
0: Nico Mannion. I'm so old that his dad gave me one of my first ever NBA autographs when we were at the baggage claim together at Delta Western Airlines in Salt Lake City when NBA players flew commercial and I was a little kid and I got Peace Manion's autograph. How's that? And now the New York Knicks are on the board. Let's see where they do now that they have the 19th pick of the NBA draft.
4: Hello again so soon from Locked On Knicks. This is Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw again. We are back inside the top 20 of this draft after a deal that we feel pretty darn good about. Uh, so we already detailed at pick 14 how we wound up with ultimately five picks in this draft, which is way too many. You can't roster five rookies going into a year. It's just, it's it, even for a rebuilding team like the Knicks, it's not really a, a situation that you can put yourself in. So we decided that it was time to consolidate back up. And luckily we didn't have to spend any of our picks that we got in the Celtics deal and still got our man with Kyra Lewis. So we came into this later part of the teens in the draft expecting to trade up and find a partner that wanted a couple picks later on in the first round to let us move up and take a guy that we felt really strongly about. We talked to pretty, I I would talk to is a nice way to put it. I pestered every single team uh, from 15 to 20 to try to find someone that would be interested And we found our trade partner right across the river with Locked On Nets. We wound up trading them picks 26, 27. 27, of course, was ours from the Clippers trade uh, previously. And pick 38, which was the Hornets uh, second round pick, all the way back from the Billy Hernan Gomez trade. And we traded those three to move up to 19, Gavin. And we took a guy that you and I have both gushed about a ton. Our guests have gushed about a ton. We got ourselves Desmond Bain.
5: Yeah, Alex, this was my favorite pick of our three in the entire draft. The one that I thought was a surefire home run. And I'm ecstatic at your GM ability to find a way to get back into the top 20 because I'll spoil it for everyone for the real draft. Desmond Bain is not getting to the Knicks. 27th pick in real life. He's going to go earlier than that. The senior out of TCU has been a long rising prospect over this extended pre-draft process. Average nearly 17 points per game to go along with six rebounds and four assists. His senior year, he is the best shooter in all of college basketball. 44% from three. Did so on nearly seven attempts per game. Shot from a variety of platforms, from distances, off the dribble, off the catch. He can do it all. Is a strong defender despite a less than ideal wingspan. And a really, really high-level passer for a forward. That's a part of his game that doesn't necessarily get enough respect um, on NBA Twitter. He's a guy who will immediately be a playmaker, Uh, or rather more of a secondary or tertiary creator uh, for the team that he lands on. In this case, it is the New York Knicks, Alex, and I cannot think of a better player for the Knicks. They desperately need someone with winning DNA, a guy who will be on the floor in high-stakes playoff games at key moments, and that is Desmond Bain to a T. I was so ecstatic, Alex. You were able to go and get him for us. It was a great, great pick. Uh, To find out our final pick, you'll have to wait. We have one more in this Locked On NBA mock draft.
6: Uh, I like Devin Mann as a player. Uh, you know, I think he, you know, obviously has put together a really nice career. He's a player who teams feel good about. uh is a guy who's going to be a useful rotation guy. Uh, now, would I necessarily trade, you know, three draft picks just to move up and take him? I don't know that I would. Uh, so I'm not sure about the value of the actual trade here. Uh, but the player, the player himself, is a guy who I think you know, you'll walk away happy with at the end of the day. Uh, you know, he's going to be a productive pro. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily a starting caliber player um and if i'm new york i probably would have sat and sort of seen what me. but again I, I get that you to consolidate your picks you can't roster uh you know four or five rookies next season uh, if this is the guy you're targeting and you think you have to get up this high to get him uh then i get it um but yeah Desmond does a guy who you know is now looking likely to end up in the first round i don't know if they'll go this high um but you know one of the better shooters in the draft also an underrated passer uh, and a guy who you know, people won't, people believe in, I think, uh, who will continue to get better. Uh, and for the Knicks, you know, just having a guy like that uh, to sort of complement the pieces that they hope they have is a nice fit.
0: So the Knicks go with Desmond Bain, who actually, Brendan had mentioned earlier, would be the type of player you take if you're trying to make an immediate impact. So interesting. Miami's on the board right now. Is it finally time? For everyone's stop of the board, Tyrese Maxey, to come off the board. Let's go to Miami and David Ramil and find out what the NBA finalists are adding to their roster.
7: Miami Heat surpassed all expectations this past season, adding Jimmy Butler and making just the right kind of decisions to push this team to an appearance in the NBA Finals. Did Miami benefit from the Orlando bubble? Yeah, to some degree, probably, because their mindset, focus, and camaraderie and the experience of Eric Spolstra are advantages that others' teams do not have. But they were also a deep, talented team with a lot of players that could play a specific role for that group. They have defenders, they've got shooters, they've got clutch performers. So the draft isn't necessarily an opportunity to rebuild or add a key player, but rather the chance to bring in another contributor to a title window that is suddenly wider than it was supposed to be after year one of Jimmy's four-year contract. The Heat's depth is likely to take a hit this summer. Goran Dragic, Myers, Leonard, Jake Crowder, and Derek Jones Jr. are all free agents. At least two of those players and possibly a third is likely to sign elsewhere. Leonard is most likely, and so adding a big man like Jalen Smith out of Maryland or Paul Reed out of DePaul makes some sense. But the team already has bigs like the versatile Kelly Olenek and the raw Chris Silva to work with. This also seems like an area that can probably be addressed more likely through free agency. Crowder and Jones are solid wings that fit well and spolster smaller lineups but are set to hit the market with the goal of looking to make as much money as possible when there really isn't much to go around league-wide. Jones is the most likely to leave. If he gets a multi-year offer, he should take it because Miami won't match in order to preserve salary cap flexibility in their pursuit of big-name free agents in 2021. He's younger. He can make more money. He should go and chase it. The same goes for Crowder, of course, but that market is probably less wide open for him than Jones. We know who he is at this point in his shooting. While ridiculously hot during his tenure in Miami, will continue to regress to the mean. If he's willing to accept a solid one-year deal, say around the $9 to $12 million range, he can be a part of this team's championship aspirations moving forward. And just like with the bigs, there are free agent options to explore here that are much more plug-and-play ready than the draft choices available. Josh Green out of Arizona would have been an enticing pick here, a 3 and D wing that could complement Crowder off the bench and provide some athleticism. He's got the size at 6'6", and shooting touch to be a good contributor right away. Had the Blazers not taken him at 16, he probably would have been the pick here for Miami. But with Goran Dragic's health and age a concern, it looks like guard depth immediately becomes Miami's biggest priority – Teller Hero is a likely fixture at guard moving forward alongside Duncan Robinson. Dragic is a free agent too, so there's a chance he could move on to another team. I don't think it's likely he and his family are just too comfortable here in South Florida, although I think there's a slight possibility that he'd consider retirement outright after suffering a torn plantar fascia in Orlando. But if Dragic resigns, all four of Miami guards share one thing in common, poor defense at the point of attack. Hero and Nunn have some upside potentially, but Dragic and Robinson are too slow to keep up with the quicker ball handlers. There were a lot of options in the draft. Desmond Bain was probably highest in the draft board, and taken just ahead of Miami's pick. Other options included Grant Riller or Emmanuel quickly, but ultimately, the decision was made to take a player with great length and an inexhaustible motor who will embrace heat culture and be willing to work as hard as everyone else in that roster. With a 6'6 wingspan, he's a great defender who can make smart rotations and can handle switches with ease. He's not much of a shooter. There's potential there, but Miami has enough backcourt scoring already. And after the success the Heat have had with Hero and Bam Adebayo, Miami will feel comfortable going yet again to the University of Kentucky well for a player that probably doesn't have the same upside as his fellow Wildcat alums, but fits the need and is willing to do the work necessary to play his part. And that's why the Miami Heat selects Tyrese Maxey.
0: So you guys all love that Tyrese Maxey pick. I gotta be honest with you. I watched him and I loved his athleticism. I loved his body. I actually liked his skill. And then I started watching him more and started asking myself like, what does he do? Who is he? How does he fit? Like he's not a one. He's not a two. He's not big enough to be a three. He's not a catch and shoot guard. He's not a ball handler. Like, why did you guys all have him so high, and are you all so excited about him?
2: He reminds me of a guy that you covered this year, Jordan Clarkson, or, you know, a player like that. You find a role for those guys. If, he, if you can score and he can get to the basket, he can finish pretty well, and he can shoot threes, and he can create those shots all for himself, yeah, you know, defensively it's going to be hard, but uh, especially at 20 here, like, that's a, that's a player I think you can find a spot for.
3: Look, the value there at 20 is is perfect because even if he doesn't turn into this you know, star-level player, which he probably doesn't, like just getting him at pick 20 for a guy that I think his uh, numbers before college and the shooting numbers were pretty strong, I think he can develop into that. We know that his development program is fantastic. Not that I think that this is, oh, my God, it's, it's the greatest pick of all time, and this guy's a multi-time all-star, but at that pick, it's an absolute no-brainer to me, and I don't really know what the Knicks were doing uh, passing up on him, to be honest. Yeah, I actually buy the
1: defense a little bit more um, than Brennan seems to. And I, I agree with, with what Josh just said in that, you know, the pre-college sample, that's kind of where the split is, I think, on Tyrese Maxey. People that watched him before he got to Kentucky like him more. Than people watch him only at Kentucky. And I think that's just sort of the Kentucky effect in a lot of ways. Some guys don't um, fit in great there. Some guys don't always pop off the screen there and fall too far as a result. In fact, one of the guys he's not going to be playing with in this scenario, Tyler Hero, had that same problem. So we'll see what happens with Tyrese Maxi, but he's a guy that I had in the lottery. A combo guard does a lot well. Uh, There is some overlap there, actually, with with Tyler Hero. So the fits may be a little bit curious in Miami specifically, but ultimately, the value for me for a guy that I have in the lottery pick at 20 is just too good.
0: Well, it could be Tyler Hero, could be Devin Booker, could be Kevin Knox. Let's find out what Jeremy Wu thinks from Sports Illustrated.
6: Avery Baxter, all, all the way to number 20. I, I love this pick for Miami in particular. Uh, you know, he's the type of guy who I think uh, they would be thrilled uh, to get this late in the draft. Uh, not only being a Kentucky guy, but uh, you know, a guy who you know, has sort of a hard-nosed game. Uh, he's a competitor. Uh, I think you know because of the year he had at Kentucky, where he was not necessarily the most efficient, uh, not always consistent. Uh, you know, his stock drop a little bit, but he, he's a guy who I still view as a lottery-level talent. Uh, I think he's going to shoot it better in the pros. I think he's going to be good defensively, uh, and I think I think he'll provide like situational value too. Where uh, you know he might just mean more, might mean more to your team. I liken it to like not comparing him directly to Marcus Smart, but he might be that type of guy who just like has that type of value for your group uh, that, that goes beyond just what his skill set is. Uh, so I like this for Miami a lot, and I think at 20, there's you know the risk again is pretty mitigated too. So uh, it's a nice pick here at 20.
0: Today's locked on NBA mock draft is brought to you by Built Go. That's right, will you? We all hit a wall. We need a little juice. You're working out, you're tired, you're on the bike, need a little extra miles, you're in the golf round, you're feeling it, you're in your desk and you're dying. Well, Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's 5-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. 3 delicious flavors. Peanut butter honey, coconut chocolate, or chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Built Go has collagen protein, fast absorbing, so it moves into the system fast and is easy on your stomach. Plus, collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Literally makes you look better. Go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Locked on NBA mock draft continuing. Brendan Clean, locked on Suns. Brad Rowland, locked on Hawks. Josh Lloyd, locked on Fantasy Basketball, our expert desk. We're we'll he- going to hear from Chad Ford here in just a moment. But guys, I think I know on some of you already, but not everybody's heard every episode, though they should. The other three episodes are there. Who's the player in this draft that you really just don't see it? You, you, you understand he's going to be a first-round pick scouts are all in it you just don't see it Brendan lead us off
2: well you you could honestly go through several players here I'll I'll circle back to a couple we've hit on previous episodes just to to reinforce the question marks there I'll I'll start with Obi Toppin a guy who I also was able to interview this year and who you trust as far as a, a worker but you also want to have seen it and with him in particular like like Josh said in the first episode it's it's, he's already 23 years old, and it's hard to fix a lot of the things that he struggles with. You're not going to make a player a more mobile athlete. You're not going to you know, help them read defense better at a really high level. Those are things that tend to be pretty ingrained. You're only going to incrementally help players there. And, and so I have a hard time understanding how Obi really survives on defense or makes your team all that much better when it's said and done. Josh Green, I just... I just really don't uh, I don't see the hype there. You know, the guy who came into college as a five star player and vastly underperformed. Uh, I think, you know, he has the length and athleticism to be a pretty decent defensive player. Um, that's about it. And those guys don't tend to stick in the NBA.
3: Brendan took uh, took my one obviously there with uh, with Obi Toppin, so I won't go over that. So I'll go up a little bit higher in the draft and, and Anthony Edwards. Um I don't, I, look, I can almost, I can't guarantee it, but I don't think he's returning number two pick value at any point in his career. And just a guy whose feel just seems so off on both sides of the ball, shot selection, passing defensively. I just don't see how he returns anywhere close to that value. Sure, he can be a bench scorer type of player for you know a, a decent amount of time in the league, but for what he is being projected as and where he was selected in this mock draft, I I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, I would go down a little bit lower, actually, to a guy we haven't even discussed yet, and that's Daniel Oturu. He's the guy that I'm baffled by that's often projected as a first-round pick. I think he's in the first round for a lot of people in mock drafts uh, out of Minnesota, and I just don't I don't see it at all. I think I have him outside my top 50, um, and that's a, it's a small thing in this draft. It's pretty flat. Um, there are guys that we've all discussed already on this on the last couple of episodes, but is the guy where I just generally cannot understand it. Most guys, I can at least see it. You can squint hard, and that one, I just don't get it at all.
0: All right, 76ers are on the board now with the 21st pick of the Locked On Podcast Network NBA Draft. Let's head over to Keith Pompey and see what the Sixers have got planned.
8: The question is, what is the Sixers' biggest need? Well, the Sixers' biggest need right now is a backup point guard, and they need a couple of floor spacers. They need guys out there who can shoot the ball and who can open up things for Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. and and possibly Al Horford if he remains with the squad. Um, A dream scenario for this team is is getting, like I said, a dream scenario has to be getting a secondary ball handler. You know, right now Ben Simmons is the primary guy, but they need somebody else to take some of the workload off of Ben when they want to move Ben to the four when they go small ball. Um, The biggest decision that the team has has to make at this point is Do I want to get a young point guard, a guy who I can grow with, or do I want to go out there and get one in free agency? The same thing about a shooter. Do I want to go out there and get a shooter in the draft? Or do I want to get somebody in free agency and hopefully in the trade? In regards to a trade, there are some trade possibilities. You know, the trade possibility is that the Sixers could possibly trade a guy like Al Horford to the Sacramento Kings, right? Um, Al Horford is the power forward slash backup center. You can trade him to the Sacramento Kings and get Buddy Heald. If you do that, then all of a sudden, your needs that you have at um, a shooter, it takes away that. You don't need to go get a force placer in the draft. So what you can do is Go out there and, and make that trade and get Buddy hill. So with that said, I'm saying that the Sixers are going to take Cole Anthony with the 21st pick in the NBA draft. Cole Andre is a 6'3 point guard out of the University of North Carolina. As I said earlier, the Sixers need a backup point guard. They need a secondary ball handler. Cole Anthony is a still at 21. He's a guy who, coming out of high school a year ago, he was the number one point guard in the nation, a a consensus top five player in the class of, uh, you know, in, in this class of 2019. So when you look at that, you say to yourself, like, at 21, I can go out there and get this guy. You have to do it. You have to pull the trigger. And I think that's what the 76ers are going to do, right? Cole Anthony is a guy who last year, um, he averaged, uh, through his first nine games, he averaged 19.1 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 3.6 assists. Now, again, I know the assists total is kind of low, but he was looked upon as a guy who was doing getting most of the scoring done for them. Now, he did suffer a partially torn meniscus in his right knee in December and underwent surgery, forcing him to miss 11 games. But he came back, and he came back and he played well. He played at a high level. For the season, he averaged 18.5 points, 5.7 rebounds, and and four, four assists for the Tar Heels. That's why he's going to be a sixer.
6: Cole Anthony has been one of the, you know, more divisive players uh, in this draft all year. I think just based on how highly he was rated in high school, uh, and then how quickly you know teams sort of soured on him at North Carolina. It wasn't 100% his fault, and I know he was hurt for some of the year. So it, it adds up to this is an interesting by low player in the 20s. Uh, I do think he'll be on the board here. I think Philly. Uh, if they're keeping this pick, too, uh, I think a guard like Anthony who can sort of play on the ball and also space the floor away from it is, is a nice fit. You know, they've had success with guards like that in the past. There's obviously a role for those types of players when you have Ben Simmons uh, and need floor spacing. Uh, but Anthony himself, you know, he's, he's an interesting player. He's not my favorite player in the draft. I'm I'm on the lower end with him. I'm a little scared about the uh, decision-making factor. You know, he hunts a lot of shots. Um you know, he's not always the guy who makes his teammates better on a consistent basis. Uh, and you know, I know that he didn't have a lot of help at North Carolina, uh, but but I still saw some things that concerned me uh, the season. Uh, but that's not to that say he can't do it. Uh, and I think that again, in, in this range of the draft, it's like a totally viable uh, upside play.
0: Now we move it over to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board here from the expert over on his desk and. Chad three picks in the Knicks going with Bain Miami getting Maxi Anthony going to the 76ers what's your reaction of what you're seeing on picks 19 20 and 21 in the lockdown podcast network mock draft
9: you know Bain Bain had been hovering around the 30s almost for the whole season and he really started rising as it got closer in the draft and With so many guys that you think are sort of swing for the fences player, Bain is that one guy as a senior that's just a known prospect, an incredible senior year, shot 44% from three, competes, shoots, defends. He's not going to have a huge upside. He lacks length and he lacks like elite athleticism for his position. So you start to see a value here for a player based much more on what is proven about them as opposed to what they can become in the NBA. Maxie, on the other hand, is a guy all the way that you want to project. And with those Kentucky players, after the way Tyler Hero stormed the league last year, a lot of NBA scouts are wondering, is there something that we're just missing out of Kentucky players in our draft process that we need to take into account in the NBA? And one of that is they're just loaded with talent that maybe guys aren't able to show everything that they can do at the next level. So I think this is a nice pickup uh, for Maxie. And then, you know, Anthony at, uh, at 21 here, interesting that he was a projected top five pick coming into the season. One of the top high school players in the country really struggled at North Carolina this year. I think a lot of teams wonder whether he is peaked uh, as a basketball player and whether that's, that peak is going to mean that he's going to continue to go downhill in the NBA draft. This is certainly a slide for him and his team, though I think it's more in line with where the last big boards are going to be right before the draft.
0: Do you, you said in our first day what you liked about this draft was this middle group and the skill set you got out of it. Do you, who's the player that you're most comfortable will have a lengthy career? They don't have to be a star. They don't have to be an all-star. But you just, they're, they're Nick Collison of this draft. Or they're the Luke Riddenauer of this draft. Guys that never played an all-star game but played, you know, 11, 12 years and were a good 11th, 12th pick.
9: Oh, Sadique Bay all the way you know he's going to be able to guard multiple positions on the floor he's going to be able to shoot it well enough to stay in the league it's it's hard to figure out how he doesn't stick uh, in the league somewhere for a long time i don't think like you said he ever makes an all-star team i'm not even sure he's a starter on a team but he's going to be one of those guys that's going to stick for a long time as a rotation player that makes a difference on both ends of the court
0: Northwest Division rivals are the next two on the board here on the Locked On Podcast Network with Denver sitting at 22 and Utah at 23. Let's go over to Denver, see what Adam Matas and Matt Moore of Locked On Nuggets have planned for the Nuggets, a pick hopefully will become an all-star after they trade them to Utah. Hey,
10: this is Adam Matas representing Locked On Nuggets. The Nuggets with the 22nd pick in the 2020 NBA draft. You know, the Nuggets have a pretty young roster, and they have a pretty deep roster as well, even with the free agency of Jeremy Grant uh, and a couple other players, Paul Millsap. They have players at every position. The wing spot would probably be the the place they're the most shallow. But with a team in the Nuggets that is ready to contend right now, I don't know that you look to the draft to necessarily fulfill an urgent need, especially where they're picking in this draft. So they were just going – our our thought process as we did this mock draft was to look at – Players that maybe could have a four-year impact on the Denver Nuggets roster bring some kind of skill, and we saw that in this draft especially, there seemed to be a lot of backup center types, guys that maybe aren't – projecting to be stars, maybe aren't projecting to be major impact players, but guys that could come in and in their four years under contract on their rookie scale deal provides you know, fit 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes a night. And so the guy that we went with here was Jalen Smith, who I think is one of those guys that projects to be a high floor guy. He can some nice rim protection, good length, good mobility, blocked a lot of shots at the college level, anchored a very good uh, Maryland team, uh, high character guy, hard worker, team player, fits all the mold of the type of uh, player Denver has looked for in the draft over the last several years and really how they've built their roster. Guys that are, you know, head down type guys that are going to work hard. And then on top of that, he can stretch the floor. You know, one of the uh, few bigs that comes into the NBA this season that can both knock down the three-point shot and or, or the mid-range or that flat shot along the baseline, as well as rim protect. So he's got two NBA-level skills, an NBA-level body, and is probably a guy that you could feel comfortable in the coming years to give you at least 10 minutes a night. And that's why we went with him. There were some other players on the board that I think are intriguing for Denver specifically, but when we looked at it, Uh, we thought that this was the best one. I wouldn't be surprised. Some rumors have come out about the Denver Nuggets potentially being in the market to trade up. They've, of course, been linked to Drew Holiday. So Denver is one of those teams that I would not be surprised if they were involved in some of the more loud and and noteworthy moves on draft night. But should they stay put at 22? Jalen Smith, and if he's available, I think Denver would have a lot of interest in a player like that.
6: Uh, Jalen Smith, for me, this is a little bit too high, just in my opinion. I have him as a, you know, late first round, early second round guy. Uh, he's not the player who I'd be looking at here, but he is the type of big who has had success uh, in Denver. Uh, you know, the Nuggets like to, you know, they need bigs who can space the floor and also protect the basket. Uh, when you have the Jokic out there, you know, if you want to play a second big, uh, Smith definitely checks those boxes, and I think that's going to give him the pathway uh, to an opportunity to be a successful pro. Uh, but I'm concerned about the stiffness uh, of his movement. Uh, you know, he's going to have to, you know, try to do all he can to be more mobile defensively. Because I think when you pull him away from the rim, uh, he has some issues. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure offensively. He's not a great passer. I'm not sure beyond just finishing plays and shooting threes exactly what he's going to do. Um, so, so for me, he's a little bit more limited than I would like uh, for my for my center, even if he's my backup center. Um, but. It, it does make sense as a fit here at 22 for, with what Denver needs, particularly with uh, some of their other bigs hitting
0: agency. i switch hats and be inside the Utah Jazz draft room. As Locked on Jazz, I'm David Locke. The Utah Jazz probably are looking for something athletic more than anything else. If there's a limit on a team that was the number one offensive team in the NBA after December 24th and the number one shooting team after December 24th, it's just pure athleticism guarding primary players, getting out and running a bit more, just picking up the athleticism part for this team. The dream scenario would obviously be get somebody who can make a major impact on the roster. There's probably not a player in this flat of draft that's going to make a dream come true for the Utah Jazz. The biggest thing the Jazz probably have to decide at going forward is what are they doing with Mike Conley? Who's likely to opt in and is he a long-term piece for the jazz or is Donovan the primary ball handler? If Donovan is the primary ball handler for the Jazz, then maybe you're not looking at a point guard. And if Rudy Gobert is the long-term center with his contract extension being another major piece for the organization to try to figure out going forward, then maybe you're not looking for a center. Now, there's some really interesting players there. Malachi Flynn could be a very solid NBA player, but if you know when you're drafting him that there's not a route for more than about 14 minutes a night, do you draft him? Isaiah Stewart's a pretty interesting player. If Jalen Smith had slid, maybe he would be an interesting pick for the Utah Jazz. But he just went to Denver, so he's off the board. And again, at a center position, if you're talking about an Isaiah Stewart or a Xavier Tillman or someone like that, again, you're deciding, You know, is there anything more than 14 minutes a night for that player? So as the Jazz look at this, I think the situation is, who's the... The the wing athlete that you can take surprisingly Josh Green went 16 so he's off the board Desmond Bain went 19th that's a little surprising. Cole Anthony is more of a point guard. And as I mentioned, Jalen Smith could have played some four. So at this point of the draft, Jaden McDaniels out of Washington, six foot nine, 210 pound Adonis body is a real possibility for the Jazz. But I'm going to go instead with Mississippi State's Robert Woodard. He. Bounds off the screen when you watch him. The criticism is he's not great at any individual skill, but this is an elite level athlete who inside the Utah Jazz Uh, developmental schemes should be able to add things. The guards at Mississippi State were just awful. And so he didn't get an opportunity to show himself in a lot of regards. The question on him is whether the shooting will be real. It was decent last year. The free throw shooting is not great, which is a little bit worrisome. And there aren't a lot of pick and roll or other numbers to him that jump. But this is an elite level athlete. He has everything that you can't teach. And I'm believing that the Utah Jazz can teach him all the things that they can and turn him into a very viable rotation NBA wing player who could guard the 2, 3, or 4. So the Utah Jazz select out of Mississippi State, Robert Woodard.
6: Uh, Robert Woodard is an interesting pick here. He, he's not a player who I have a first-round grade on. Uh, you know his tools are very interesting, and I think you've seen guys like him uh, have success in the NBA, uh, where they have you know very promising uh, physical profile, and then you know they get to the NBA, it takes them a little bit of time, but they end up being versatile defenders who can knock down shots uh, and are going to be like you know decent like fourth or fifth option. Uh, you know for for me, the upside with Woodard is not high enough that so he's a player I'd take. Uh, in this range, uh, I don't know how good his feel is. It was hard sometimes to get a get a peg on him in Mississippi State. He was not like a featured offensive player on a consistent basis, and I don't totally buy his shot. Uh, so this is a project for Utah, uh, but you know, in theory, he's the type of, type of guy who you know fits what they're doing. Uh, is going to be good defensive cover, uh, but I think there are better players on the board here.
0: Cole Anthony went 21 to the 76ers. Jalen Smith went 22 to Denver, and Utah was brilliant with a Robert Woodard pick. We have not heard reaction yet from our expert desk on those. Let's start it off with Brendan Clean Your thoughts on these three picks have just happened.
2: Cole Anthony, I think, is is the one that strikes me from this group. You had a couple athletic sort of backup big types in at 22 and 23, but at 21 with Philly, you had Cole Anthony, a guy who has a lot of, uh, of improvements to make. He was a very very uh, disappointing at UNC. This is a guy we were talking about as a potential number one overall pick heading into the season. And this was a weird year for the Tar Heels. So, you know, you give him some, some cut him some slack there. But I think he's a player who, as you probably listeners can tell by now, I, I really lean toward players who can create three pointers for themselves. I mean, think about the show Damian Lillard put on in the bubble. That's about as defense breaking a shot as there is in the NBA. Not often you can get a guy at 21 who at least credibly you can think might become a player like that and if he can shore up some of his decision making you know everybody's going to look a little better playing next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid than than college guys I think he's a player who I really still trust to stick in the NBA and uh, has a a pretty nice bit of upside as well so a solid pick to get at 21 for me I know some people think of him as a second round guy I still buy the promise that he had heading into college
1: yeah to build on that I think that Anthony is someone who's probably fallen too far, to be honest with you. I think 21's a good value for him, all things considered. As a guy who was once seen as a top five pick in this class, um, I could see why he's fallen. He should have fallen from that perch. But I think 21, especially in Philly, you just kind of need somebody that can run a pick and roll. That's something that the Sickers just don't have and haven't had for quite some time now, and uh, he definitely brings that. Um, you know, Denver and Utah kind of just plug-and-play guys. Jalen Smith is someone who's not going to make a huge impact for them immediately, but a guy that, that can play with Jokic, play behind him as well. And Robert Woodard, as I know David really enjoys Robert Woodard, um, a- another guy who that can just kind of just do a lot of things okay. And being a well-rounded wing, uh, wing-slash-forward-slash-maybe-backup-big-man, maybe those kind of guys who are switchable, flexible, and don't take anything off the table are really valuable. I know that sort of the knock on him might be the fact that he doesn't have any any, any elite skill, but you know, three and D with some physicality at, at this point in this draft is kind of all you can possibly ask for.
3: Um the Cole Anthony one's interesting to me because he was the the highest rated player still on my board, but I just don't like the fit. And some of the criticism for, or some of the explanation behind the criticism for Anthony is, oh, well, he's playing at UNC and they had no spacing. So now he goes to Philadelphia to play alongside Ben Simmons. Like That is not what Philadelphia needs. So in most cases, I'm saying take the best player available. I think Philadelphia would have been much better served taking someone who actually made sense with those guys there. There's uh, numerous other players they could have taken. Now Tyra Terry was off the board. He might have fitted Malachi Flynn, I think would be perfect there. I just don't know how Anthony, who struggled to create his own shot and hit threes on a spacing challenge team, is going to be able to do that at a higher level on a spacing challenge team. Jalen Smith pick is fine, um, and I don't want to get fired, so I'm not going to say that the Robert Woodard pick is uh, is terrible. But uh, it's nah, it's fine, David. I think it's a I think it's a good selection there, a guy that can play on the wing and getting wing players who can provide some defense, who are athletic, who can hit threes. Like that's what the league needs. And when you're
0: picking in this zone, like I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. It'd be interesting to find out if Josh Lloyd will be more willing to criticize his boss or a fellow Aussie. We'll find out in a moment as Milwaukee's on the board. Kane Pittman has got the 24th pick for the Bucks.
11: What's up, everyone? Kane Pittman here, host of Locked On Bucks. Well, we know the Locked On NBA mock draft is here. And as host of Locked On Bucks, we have the 24th pick in the 2020 NBA draft. Now, the Milwaukee Bucks are in a really fascinating position uh, when it pertains to the draft this year because we know uh, they're looking to contend next season. Uh, We don't know yet whether this is going to be the last season Giannis will have in Milwaukee, but nonetheless... Uh, they probably do not have a lot of minutes or a lot of space for developmental players. It's just not going to be the case. It's why we've seen uh, players like DJ Wilson on the roster have not been able to get in. The Bucks and Mark Grudenholzer have gone in favour of veterans like Marvin Williams and Ersan Iwisoba. So uh, this is where Pick 24 becomes really interesting. We think the team most certainly needs more ball handling, uh, potentially an upgrade at the point guard position. Uh, The other need that could arise is potentially on the wing with rotation players, Pat Connaughton as an unrestricted free agent. Wesley Matthews has a player option as well. So I think the big decision, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, and the big decision we had to make uh, was... Are we going to trade this pick for an upgrade at another position? And it would likely be a veteran player. So players that the Bucs have been linked with over the course of the last few weeks. Obviously, Chris Paul... Drew holidays in there as well. We know the Bucs have interest in Bogdan Bogdanovich and potentially even Victor Oladipo. So this will be the question for the Bucs on draft night. Are they actually going to use this pick? Are they going to pick up a prospect? Or is this pick originally owned by the Indiana Pacers and acquired by the Bucs for uh, Malcolm Brogdon in that sign and trade last offseason? Is that pick going to be moved for one of those veteran players? So... Uh, as far as moving up in the draft, I don't really see any opportunity for Milwaukee to do this. Uh, this was a difficult selection for mine because there was a number of players that got taken earlier in this draft that I like for the Bucks: Josh Green out of Arizona being one of those that could come in and play on the wing. I also like Tyrell Terry, Desmond Bain, uh, Tyrese Maxey as well, and also uh, another player that's in there that could potentially fit, although we do believe he's going to go certainly earlier in a draft as Sadiq Bey. So I ended up taking Teo Maladon. Uh, Been playing over in France, been playing and starting for a professional team in Europe, which is always an impressive spot to be. One question I would say is, would the Bucks pick this guy that has high upside potentially, but might take a little bit of time? He's not a finished product. He's just a teenager, very young. That's the question for mine, but we know the Bucks have a history of taking international players with their first-round picks. Uh, of course, Giannis Thonmaker as well, and in recent times, the Italian Dante Divincenzo. Well, he's actually from Delaware, but we, we can get through that. So uh, the Bucks pick twenty-four, Theo Maladin, coming from France.
6: Yeah, Theo Maladon, interesting talent, a uh, player who I think came into the year. Teams looked at him like he could be a lottery pick. Did not have the best year in France. Um, is an interesting, interesting law player here. The tough thing with him, you know, like we hear him this a lot, but he's not a guy who has like an elite skill. Uh, but I think in his case, it's okay. You know, I view him as more of a two guard, more of a combo. But he's a good shooter. He's a good athlete. Uh, he gets up down them floor. I think he's going to defend. Uh, and from what I understand, he's a really motivated guy. Uh, you know, he's a guy who teams believe in off the court. Um, so I, I think he's a pretty solid bet to be a role player. Uh, you know, for Milwaukee, it's an interesting pick because I, I know the Bucks are obviously going to try to win now. Uh, you know, almost one, right? So <laughs> uh, to taking a teenage guard here, uh, you know, you're hoping that he can come in and step in early. Uh, I think the fact that he has high-level, you know, some high-level experience in the playing in the Euro uh is helpful. Um, and I think he's just, in terms of best player available, uh, I think he's the best guy on the board here. So I, I think this is a good pick. It might not be a, a pick that pays off right away. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Maldon will be a nice player uh, and will sort of be, uh, you know, he has a chance to be in the pros for a long time. Now to the
0: Chad Ford NBA Big Board expert desk to get a wrap-up of day four of the Locked On Podcast Network. And boy, that 23rd pick by the Utah Jazz today, Chad, that is pure genius, right?
9: That's a reach is what that is, uh, David Locke, but an interesting reach. Uh, You know, I listened to your podcast about him and, and I see what you see and that he pops. When you watch him on the court, there's just something about this player that, that is really attractive. But then when you look at the, the numbers, when you look at some of the analytics and you wonder a little bit about the production. And, you know, the thing that I could never get my arms around with him, and I'm not saying you're wrong here at 23. But the thing that I've had my hard time getting my arms around is what is his feel for the game? Is this a guy that really sees and feels the game? I've heard some scouts say yes. I've had some scouts say absolutely not. I watched it. I'm not really sure where I come out on that. I think this is within his range, though, and it's certainly actually an upside swing for the Utah Jazz considering some of the other guys that were on the floor. And certainly given who was left, on the board, I don't think it's a reach. Jalen Smith, by the way, I think is a great pick at 22. A big guy that can really shoot the basketball. Also rebounded the heck out of it at Maryland right now. One of those modern bigs that can score from anywhere on the floor. And Theo Mellon, man, everybody's talking about him. He's gotten some buzz lately. Uh, he's comes out of France, he's really been working on his body, has really hit the gym. That was a big question mark about him, and teams are impressed with at least the work that he has been doing in the off season. One interesting note about him, though, he does not want to be a drafted fast basketball player. He's insisting that he's coming over this year, and so maybe some of his value was hoping that he could stay at least one or two more years in France and develop.
0: He's Chad Ford. The podcast is Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Follow on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. Day four is done. As the Knicks trade and take Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey goes 20, Cole Anthony 21, Jalen Smith 22, Robert Woodard 23, and Theo Maladin 24 to Milwaukee. Brad Rowland, what's your reaction of where we stand right now?
1: I would say there's no, no, no disasters in this range. That's uh, one of the upsides. I think obviously we are all uh, big fans of Tyrese Maxey and that value is really good. Um, I like Cole Anthony more than others on the podcast seem to, which is fine. At least in terms of the fit with Philadelphia, but uh, no downsides here. And I think once we're in this, we've all been talking about how flat this draft is pretty much the entire way through. We're really in the part now where things are quite flat so it has to you kind of almost have to uh fall off a cliff to have a pick that i'm actually that i'm act- actively going to hate um at the same time you know no no messes made in this in this six pack and i know we have six more to go but uh we'll
2: see where we are Brandon to circle back to circle back to a pick we didn't hit on too much uh desmond bain At 19 to the Knicks, I I actually really like him as a player. I mean, he's a guy that I think the Suns might even pull the trigger on at 10 or try to trade back for, Uh, so I've been paying attention to him doing my show. But uh, I'm looking forward to, he's exactly the type of player that's going to score like 22 in the first week of the season. And because it's New York, we're all just going to really, really overhype Desmond Bain, like the Alonzo Trier effect, if you will. Uh, So it might get distorted because of the New York thing. But I think Bane's actually a pretty solid player there who, uh, after that trade down they made, actually complements them to get just more guys in the, into that building that can actually get on the floor. I think that's a strong pick.
3: Well, they they traded down and then they package picks to trade up to get Desmond Bain when there's a chance he could have been available at those later picks anyway. And I think you know, a guy, for a team that doesn't have anything, you know, getting a, a player like Maxi there I think would have made more sense for the Knicks at that selection. Uh, David, you, you asked whether I'd be willing to criticize uh, a fellow Aussie in uh, in Kane at pick 24. Yeah, look, it's a terrible pick. We all know Kane doesn't know what he's talking about. And uh, that's just a, a disaster of a pick for the Bucks there. But uh, in all, in all seriousness, uh, I think Melodon's fine. It wouldn't have been who I'd taken for the Bucks. I think Xavier Tillman is absolutely just like a flashing beacon there that would be perfect as a guy they can uh, yeah, move in when Brook Lopez is in there, move the ball around, play really, really strong defense and just help contribute to that yeah excellent defense that the Bucs have got. And that is what I would have done. So, Kane, uh, you're wrong.
0: That is the final word. An Australian civil war is broken out in the middle of an NBA mock draft. Day five is next. Tomorrow, if you've missed any of the opening days, they're available on the Locked On NBA feed. So please be sure to go grab picks 1 through 6, 7 through 12, and 13 through 18 on your Locked On NBA feed on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network.